Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Man's podcast. We really hope that you enjoy this upcoming episode, and we really appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you could, on your way out, hit the like, comment, share, subscribe button, share this with your friends and family. We really appreciate it. We're just starting the conversation. We're sparking it. We don't have the solutions, but the goal is to spark the conversation. Sometimes a student is a teacher, and sometimes a teacher is a student. Have a good day. Yo, 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 what's up, y'all, man? Welcome to the Thinking Man's Podcast. You know who it is. It's your boy, Corey, and I got my co-host with me. I got Ken, and y'all know what we do. We talk about real-world issues, controversial topics. Again, we don't have the answers to anything that we're talking about. We just want to get the conversation started so that way you can walk away to finish the conversation. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, bro? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good. Just working on some things behind the scene. About to drop me a new motivational mixtape coming out here pretty soon, so I'm excited about that. Uh, got a new book that's about to drop. Uh, hmm. Co-author, co-author, 17 co-authors uh, of this book, and so I'm one of the co-authors, and this book is dropping in December, so I'm excited about that as well, man. Hey, man, yeah, we know I'm slow yeah. boogie over here, man. No, I see, but I see you moving. Though. I see you, you know, you you doing stuff with Anton. You connected with that situation. What else? You, what else you doing, man? Uh, man, just, uh, just with the trucking, man, you know, just constantly refining and, you know, getting better in the transportation industry. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to, you know, get on a couple of platforms and, uh, you know, offer some different perspectives and stuff like that. So, you know, just learning and growing, bro. Learning and growing, man. That's what's up. Yeah. We got to keep moving. We got to make sure that we never go, we'll get stale and we always got to continue to like fill ourselves up with knowledge, man. So we can, you know, share stuff with the world. So no, I appreciate what you're doing and, uh, let's get it going, man. So, Today's topic, y'all, we're going to be talking about something I feel like it's very, very important and that we really need to discuss. And so we want to talk about just human nature in itself, right? And so one of the questions that I wanted to ask or pose is, what is the best way to explore human nature? Mm. You know, we, we hear about human nature all the time. Human nature does this, or, you know, human nature is that. But what is really the best way to explore human nature? Would it be psychology? Would it be philosophy? Would it be biology? Like, what can we do to describe or explain the way humans act and interact with one another? Like, mm. what can we do? What, what do you think? You think we should break down the definitions of some of these things? Yeah, I definitely think so, man. I, I do think so. And I'm going to let you lead the charge on that, man. All right, bet. So <laughs> yeah, when, when, we, when we talk about human nature, man, it, it is so complex. Human nature is so complex. It's not simple at all. And there are so many people trying to figure out why do humans behave the way they do? You know, mm-hmm. uh, why do we think the way that we think? And so we're going to break down three different things. We got psychology and psychology is the scientific study of the human mind and its functions, the way we function. Psychology is something that's been used for quite some time and psychology has been around for a while and it really helps us explore the human mind and how <clears throat> we have, you know, cognitive distortions, how we have, uh, cognitive dissonance, all these things that goes on in our mental and our psyche, psychology is that piece of it. And then you got philosophy, and philosophy is a particular system of philosophical thoughts, right? And then we have our biology. And biology is like the study of human organisms, you know what I mean? And so how can we really describe what human nature is using these three words? Hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? What are your thoughts about human nature in itself? 
I think human nature is real tricky, bro. Um, but you actually have to, um, man, actually I'm reading this book right here. Literally. The, uh, the laws of human nature by Robert Greene. And I'm still working my way through it, but it, you know, I think it's, it has to be clearly defined. You know what I'm saying? Like what human nature is. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing to define, bro, to be honest with you. You know, you have psychology, biology, and philosophy. My understanding of psychology is just the, uh, like you said, the study of the human mind. But it's a great area in there because that also includes philosophy. You know what I mean? And then also uh, your mind impacts your physical, which is your biology. So they're all interconnected in a, uh, in a very complicated way. And they flow between each other. You know what I mean? It's like talking about one, you'll end up talking about the other. So I'm interested to have this conversation, bro. Like, you know, what you thinking, man? Yeah. And it's good that you said that. They are all interconnected, right? It's all intertwined. And I think it would do the people some justice if we can just separate them for a moment and then speak on them as individuals, right? But before we would dive into that, let's think about the human nature aspect in itself, right? What is human nature? So when we look up the definition of human nature, it's the general psychological characteristics feelings and behavioral traits of humankind regarded as a shared by all humans. So is human nature something that we're taught? Because you're talking about feelings, you're talking about characteristics, you're talking about behavioral traits. Is it innate? Like when we think about human nature, again, it's so complex. It's not, it's not simple at all. Like mm-hmm. how do we break it down? So let's start with the psych- psychology component of it which is the scientific study of the human mind and its functions. A lot of things that we do as humans has a lot to do with the way we think and process things, right? Uh, Our behaviors come from things that we are thinking about, what we allow ourselves to meditate on for long periods of time. I believe a lot of things that we think about, we, we we, we think about it for so long that it begins to become actions, right? But then where do our thoughts come from? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we how do we process all these different things? Because our mind, I believe, thinks about a million things within a minute. And so how do we process all these things and then put them into action? Like, how do we know what to filter, what to keep, you know what I mean? What to get rid of? Like, how do we know that? And that's something that I guess I need to figure out what the answer is to it because I don't know. Like, if our mindset and the things that we do come from the world around us are we just challenging wrong energy are we challenging right energy i don't know what would you say what would you say to that uh from my perspective i feel like the uh the mind is like a camera lens bro mm-hmm. so uh you are shooting though let's say you're the photographer the mind is like a camera lens so you actually if you are healthy mentally you are choosing what to focus the camera lens on and then dive into that if that makes any sense yeah so I've, I personally feel like, and this is anecdotal, this is just my opinion, that we are taking information in all the time. Even while we're speaking, we're taking in information mm-hmm. all the time. And it's on us to filter it out and focus on what's important. And that depends on who you are as a person, excuse me, as a person, you know. And that's part of the problem. People are focusing on the wrong things. You know what I mean? They're getting mm-hmm. a lot of information from a lot of different directions and they're they're not able to discern or choose you know, what it is that's most important to actually place their focus on. Uh, one of the things while you were talking, I was thinking about that. And, and I could, again, I could be wrong on this, but 
you know, in psychology, it's a studying of the mind, right? <laughs> so there's a difference between your mind and your brain. Those are two, they're not, they're not separate, but those are different things in my perspective. So your mind is your thoughts, your perceptions, the things you tell yourself, the conversations you have and stuff like that. Your brain is something physical. You know what I'm saying? Your mind and your thoughts are something that happens within your brain, if that makes any sense. So, you know, and look, bro, I'm as far as the brain is concerned, as much as my point of reference is <laughs> Bobby Boucher. And the, you, know, <laughs> you know, like as far as the parts yeah. of the brain, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I know you have the amygdala, you have certain different, you know, like things that are different parts. That's the study of the actual parts of the brain and then studying their functions. Then you start to get into, okay, that's their functions. And then this is the mind aspect of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, like I said, they work together. You know what I'm saying? They're not separate. They do work together. Your thoughts and stuff, all those things are processed inside the brain, right? There's so many different components to the, to the human mind, um, which is, is scary how the human mind works. But when we think about the functions of the human mind and how the mind is just created, on the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, certain things happen on either side of the brain, right? Um, how you process information. Like you said, we're constantly processing information. Even when we're asleep, we're processing information. But you said something. If you are healthy mentally, how does one become mentally healthy? Is it, a, is it something that they have to do? Is it something they have to listen to? Something they have to avoid to make sure their mental health is intact? What is it that people have to do in order to assure their mental health is in place? That's a that's a good question. I don't think there's I don't think there's one way to go about it. Uh, one of the uh, one of the subscribers asked this same exact question. Um, in my opinion, mm -hmm. I think that you have to seek out therapy and counseling because you can't you can't diagnose and treat yourself. It's just it's impossible. Because you're looking at a you're looking at this from one perspective. So uh you have things like repression, suppression, all those different so you you know, when you go to a therapist, he or she is gonna give you a bunch of different uh terms to go look up and define and understand that you're that you're not aware of. And a lot of this, uh on a lot of the mental health aspect is that we just don't have the awareness. We don't mm -hmm. know what we're doing to ourselves. We don't know you know, how we're having, the, we don't even recognize that we're having conversations with ourselves. We're yeah. just kind of moving throughout. We don't give voice to it like, Hey, I'm actually having a conversation with myself. So like, you know, I guess on a low level vibration of it is, you know, when you see a chick patch like, in your mind, you're like, mm -hmm, you know, that she's fine. You know, like, dang, she look good. You know, you're talking, right. you're talking with yourself. Right. So, but when you face adversity or when you come up against something or you're going through something, you also are having a, another conversation with yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you recognize that if you get therapy, which is somebody to help assist you process these different thoughts and give you different tools on how to approach things. When you, I, I'm, I'm an advocate for therapy. I think that's the most yeah. important. And you have to find the right therapist. It's not right. just not any old therapist. You know, you have to have a therapist that's specific to your culture, in my opinion, your culture, uh, even you can, some, you know, are, you know, based on your gender. So some men say, well, I can only talk to a man. Yeah. Me personally, my therapist is a black woman. You know what I mean? So it's up to you, whatever you're comfortable with. And, and the whole thing is, can you be vulnerable with that individual? Let them know your deepest, darkest thoughts 
and let them help you process those things so that you can get to a healthy place. Because a lot of us think things that we think other people don't think. And that's not true. Everybody has these crazy thoughts. It's just the way that we approach and process them. And we just don't talk about them outwardly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And you're absolutely right. I believe and and this thing trying to figure out how or why human nature the way it is. How do we explain human nature? I don't think I don't think we should have to try to explain the why, the why behind you know uh, human nature or, and why how we explore it. The thing is, when it comes to human nature, it boils down to this: everybody's different cultural upbringings, their religious beliefs, their um, their experiences. Right? This is what shaped human nature. You see what I'm saying? I don't think it's just one psychology or philosophy or biology. They all work together. I think it's a nature versus nurture thing. And I believe that both of them play a part in why and how we function as a, as a human race and why we do some of the things that we do. Like some people are sitting here thinking, well, I have these crazy thoughts or abnormal thoughts or whatever you want to call them. And then you got somebody else that you would share these things with and say, well, why are you thinking like that? Or that's the wrong way of thinking. But these people don't understand your background. They don't understand your experiences, your cultural beliefs, uh, different things of that nature, right? So I think we prejudge people based on either what they say or what they show us without getting the full story, right? I think we have to do a little bit more digging and helping people come to a better self-understanding. Like, you do that because of this, right? Mm-hmm. And start and, and quit villainizing people and quit making people feel so, so just disgusting based on how they how they think about certain things. Because again, everybody processes things different. One thing I do know about human nature is this. Human nature has, I hate to say this, but human nature can be destructive mm-hmm. or it can be a great thing, right? We do know those two things about human nature. Either it's going to be destructive or it's going to be something great. Uh, but then we got to define what is great and what is destructive. Because uh, some things that people do, may not be destructive to somebody else and then you know vice versa but we do know those two things either it's going to be destructive or it's going to be something great what determines which one a person does you know what i'm saying hmm. is it is it is it necessarily biology do you think people are born to be destructive hmm. do you think people are born to be good okay. do you think yeah do you think right. these All are right. things that are that are are learned behaviors <laughs> like because this is what human nature is, right? It's like some Man, people feel like people it. are born evil. Some people think others are born good. It's like, are we born any of those things? Hmm. Is it is it that we come out into the world and then one of the questions is, is human nature constant or is it a molded culture? I believe a lot of things that we do is molded culture, in my personal opinion. Because when you come out the womb, I don't think you know first and foremost, right from wrong, right? A lot of these things are not innate. They're learned behaviors. I think Mm -hmm. human nature and the things that we do is a learned process that remains constant because we're constantly learning. Okay. All right. That was a lot, bro. You you, you, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That, that, That was a lot. Okay, so... What I'm hearing you uh, kind of describe is this nature versus, excuse me, nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. That's that's what I'm hearing you uh, talk about. So this is just my opinion. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. Right. You know, and some people get a big dose on one side and a little dose on the other and vice versa. It can vary. 
um, I think that in our formative years, when we're children, uh, those are, you know, some of the most important years, you know, how we process information. (laughs) So for example, um, my mentality, I believe is God given to a certain extent, right? There's a God given nature that I was born with. I'm Mm -hmm. a grinder. We're going to get it. We're going to, you know, I don't care how it feels. We're just going to get it done. Right. 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 Um, but I think uh, I attribute a large part of that to my upbringing and relationship with my father, because since I can remember, bro, like, I mean, literally since I can remember my dad would annoyingly always say you're a leader. Always. I'm saying like, since I can remember, always say that. And I do it with my son. He's two, you know, And I think that there's a nature and nurture aspect of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think people are not, you know, and it goes along with the conversation we had had before about predestination. You know, I do think that, you know, people are designed for a very specific purpose, but I do think a large majority of their moral compass, you know, you know, is, is based on how they were raised. You know, I think your parents at, in your formative years teach you right from wrong, what or what not to do. Now, they may say certain things to you, right? But what they display to you is something completely different that may contradict. So you're learning what your parents are saying, but more so from modeling and what they're doing as well. And I think that largely impacts as, you know, we get into our adulthood, how we perceive and handle certain situations, whether we handle it with decorum or, um, you know, like, you know, in a, a malicious way, do I have, you know, evil intent and all those kind of things? Am I a good person? All of those things, I think those are things that you are taught, but they also tie into your nature. It's real great, bro. Like, it's really difficult to have this conversation, to be honest. But I think it's important to have it because it helps us try to tap into the human human existence in itself. Like, what do humans do? Why do they do what they do? Where do these behaviors and systems and things come these subcultures? Where all these things come from? Mm-hmm. And when I sit here and I think about all these things, I'm like, all this, I think all this stuff is engineered to work a certain way. I, I, tr- I truly believe that. I believe that as humans, you know, we are punished for things that we are taught by our societies, right? And we're talking about human nature and the, the way humans function and why they function in the way that they do in the societies that they're in. I think it's all learned stuff, man. I don't really think anyone is born bad. I don't think anyone is born good. I think there's a balance within a human of right and wrong. Sometimes you're going to do wrong and you know you're doing wrong. Other times you're going to do good and you know you're doing good. And then you have that piece where it's like, well, there are some mental disabilities there. We throw those in. Manifestations. Mm -hmm. Some of these things are manifestations of our disabilities that we have, which a lot of us don't want to talk about that. There's a lot of disabilities that we have that we may be aware of or may not be aware of. But some of the things that we do are manifestations of those things. So, can you blame the person for sometimes doing some of the things that they do? Do we blame the do we blame the 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 put, put it on the uh, the manifestation of what we're dealing with? Is it something that we can control? Is it something we can't control? And the reason I ask is because I work with young people who do a lot of off the wall stuff, and I want to treat them like normal human beings. But then they said, well, you can't do that to them because this is a manifestation of their disability. Mm. And I'm like, man, hell with that. 
Nah, they know what the hell they're doing. You know what I'm saying? They'll sit there and tell you they know what they're doing, but they don't say it around y'all. But I think a lot of times as humans, we have behind these disabilities that we have and we justify doing what we do because of these uh, disabilities that we have. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a mental disability. It can be something else. But I so think- give me an example, bro. Like, give me an example of what you're talking about. So, for example, let's say, um, okay, I work with someone who is diagnosed emotionally disturbed, right? And okay. so this person is set off by the slightest, like, it can be the most minuscule thing. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to grab a pencil and it rolls away from them, that is enough to trigger them, set them off, and they start destroying stuff around them. Now, for a person that don't know, they're going to say, well, what the hell is going on with this person? Why are you doing this? And yeah. then other people that specialize in that field, they're going to say, well, that's a manifestation of his disability. Hmm. But regardless of what it was happening, it's affecting human nature in a negative way. And so we got to figure out. Or, so hold on, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so what's, what's emotionally disturbed? So I have a clear... Cause I don't want to just throw somebody. Okay. So what is the definition of emotionally disturbed? I can't give it to you verbatim, but emotionally disturbed person is someone I know for a fact that has experienced a certain degree of trauma mm-hmm. that affects their psyche and the way they process things. Um, I... They, they are very on edge for every little thing. If something is, if, a, if the calendar changes or a schedule changes, it sets them off. If, Someone said something to them that, and it doesn't have to be that they don't like. It can be something, something that we were real generic. Yeah, real generic. They go off. Um, If they try to catch a football, somebody throw at them. They miss it. They explode. They're emotionally disturbed. They don't know how to regulate their emotions like normal human beings. Regular. I wouldn't say normal. I hate to say that. Like uh, those who don't suffer from those issues would, but in that. I see you with the political correctness over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I gotta be very careful because nah, you know, I get a lot of trouble with that. Um, but yeah, but that even that in itself affects human nature, you know. So yeah. disability, but that would be biological. That would be psychology. Okay, so obviously I'm not. This is not my profession. Mm-hmm. But I was just uh, reading up on repression and suppression, and my understanding as far as like somebody that's emotionally disturbed, there are a lot of different causes. Like you were saying about what, I mean, well, trauma is one of the main ones. Mm -hmm. So when you're a kid and you go through something, you, you create a, um, a coping mechanism to deal with whatever that trauma is very early on, but you're doing it from a childlike state. So then Mm -hmm. you, so then you, you know, you suppress whatever it is that you've been through consciously and then when you become of age, let's say 10, 15, 20 years from that point, it becomes an unconscious thing. And then so it turns from suppression to repression. Mm-hmm. Right? When you do that, uh, I was just having a conversation about this with one of my brothers. Like, It creates a, a limiting belief in your mind. And so when I hear you talk about somebody being emotionally disturbed, I think of someone who from a child you know, from childhood experienced so much trauma that they had to develop certain coping mechanisms, certain, they suppressed it and then repressed it and it manifests itself in their actions. So that's why they're emotionally disturbed. Mm-hmm. So they have a bunch of limiting and competing, competing beliefs in their mind and it makes them really sensitive. They're not really firmly footed on anything. 
if that makes any sense. And that's why I was saying, like, you know, therapy is important because it's like a, you know, a maze or a Rubik's Cube. Like you, you're one thing is triggered by another, by another. And you have to go to therapy to kind of work those things out, in my personal opinion. You know, like I think that's like a, a person and it's just my opinion, a person that's emotionally disturbed and their adulthood never was asked a question of why. Right. And that's an important question. And a lot of people, especially in my adulthood, um, you know, a lot of people hate that question. And if they're honest, you hate the question because you don't have an answer to what I just asked you or what you would just ask. You don't know why. And instead of saying, man, you know what? Really, bro? You know, I don't even know. Hey, man, why did you do that? Like, why did you react? Like, man, I, I don't know. Okay, cool. Like, man, let's let's try to, you know, let's try to work through that. Like, why? Why do you think? You know what I mean? Like, and then let's let's go get help for that so we can figure that out. And then you can stop lashing out because repression is funny how it works. Like, like you were saying, like uh, you were talking about being triggered, you know, like if you experience certain things to us on the outside looking in, it's like, man, you tripping just because you didn't catch a football or whatever like that. But that could have been a trigger from a memory that was like, you know, my dad threw a football and because I didn't catch it, you know, he gave me a, a really bad whooping that I couldn't recover from from like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? So right. like it's it, it's so much, it, it's such a, that's what I'm learning, bro, to just like, especially as we put our antennas up in this space, like to really, really give people grace, man, because we got so many different triggers and things that we didn't, we didn't process and work through, man. Man, it, and it, it's really important, like go get help, get you some therapy, man, so you can figure it out. And it's nothing wrong with, and I, I always talk about therapy because I want to normalize it because it, it's just, you know, this thing or that people put on a stigma that they put on therapy. And it's like, no, bro, like productive people go to therapy, bro. They're not just schizophrenics and, you know, you know, uh, call them crazy, whatever you want to call them, whatever. Like everybody not, it's not that extreme. Now there are those extremes, but that's not always the case. Right. There's so many different components to a man and why people behave the way that they behave. And I think we have to quit labeling people based on their behaviors. I hate it. I hate when we label people based on certain behaviors because we don't know what led to these behaviors. You know what I mean? We don't know if it's a genetic predisposition. We don't know if it's something they experienced in a home and it was traumatic or in in society it was traumatic. I want people to understand you are not your actions. You know what I mean? You are not your actions. We got to dig past the actions and go to what is the root of these actions? What is causing you to act out this way? You know what I mean? And you're right, man. When you ask people, why do they do the things that they do? Nine times out of 10, they're going to say, I don't know. Yeah. And the reason they don't know is because you're asking them at the point uh, when you're asking them at the time they're at their, they're not functioning at, at, at their, their greatest capacity. I think we ask these questions when people are disturbed mentally. And so they can't give you a real answer, but I'll guarantee you these people that you ask, why do you do what you do? Once they have calmed down after they finished their episodes, I guarantee they can tell you why they did what they did. I don't know, bro. The reason reason I say that is this, Mm -hmm. is because some of the people I work with in the midst of their episode, I'm like, what's going on? They can't tell you. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to try. I don't want to do it. But once they've calmed down and I say, now, why did you do that? And what could you have done differently? They'll say, well, I did that. And they'll lay out why they did it. 
right? Uh, but if we go deeper than that, was it something that triggered you that caused you to do what you did? Because they're saying, well, because I got mad. That's their why, right? Because I got mad. It's That's so surface. But does the behavior match what this was? Did you have a huge emotion over something that was small? Why is that the case? And so I think when we get to that point and we ask that why, then we'll always hear we don't know because people haven't done enough research on themselves or sat down to learn themselves enough to say, why do I respond like this in society? Why do I respond like that to these individuals? Uh, you know, I think it's deeper than that. And we don't give each other enough time to think on that level because we want to answer right then and there so we can serve a consequence. But look, I think we're in a bubble, bro. How many how many people do you think think like what we're talking about right now? Not many at all. So we just have you seen that movie Crash? You remember that movie? I heard of it. I don't think I've seen it. Like I, I honestly think that we're going through life unhealed, unprocessed emotions, like all over the place. Everybody's just like this fog over them, and we're just like crashing into each other, having these like sometimes great interactions sometimes very volatile and terrible interactions and it's because we haven't done the self-work to understand and to like really get where we're you know why we're reacting the way that we are i honestly think that and it's just my opinion i would say probably man i honestly think maybe 15 i would i would you know what i would stretch i would say 20 percent of people are actually asking themselves why do i do the things that i do and not just with the surface answer oh you just pissed me off okay well what about that pissed you off what does that remind you of? Are you projecting? What have you been through in life where something like that would piss you off? Is that a one? Is that a 10? How big of a deal is that? You know what I mean? Like those type of things, like even just having that conversation, asking those questions, a lot of people say, man, you badgering me. You're like, no, I'm just asking you. I'm trying to talk you through this. I want you to think all the way through the feeling, not just stop at the I'm mad part. Let's think all the way through the feeling. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I love that because you're absolutely right. I do believe there's a small percentage of people who think that way. And I believe if more people thought the way that we're, you know, we're talking about today, the behaviors and things that is displayed in our community, in our societies, in the around the world would change. Yeah. People don't want to go that deep because one, they don't want to answer for why they're behaving the way they're behaving. Because once a person identifies why they're doing what they're doing, they have to make a, therefore, they have to make a conscious effort or decision. No right. It kills the excuses. And yeah. some people feel like if they fix me, I have no other way of getting attention. So some people remain broken on purpose hmm. because they get attention. They get attention when they're broken. When a person is completely healed, they don't need to go to the doctor. They don't need to do this and do that. Now, there's some follow-up stuff that needs to take place. But I think a lot of people remain ignorant on purpose. I think a lot of people don't want to do the research and really study themselves on purpose. One, they don't want to... How can I say this, man? They don't want to relive prior traumatic experiences. Yeah. Two, I think that if they identify what it is, right, it's going to trigger some things and then it's going to have them spiral out of control. So they try to, they try to avoid it. And then two, you mentioned something about our interactions with one another. I think the bulk of our interactions that are good is because at that moment in our life, we have suppressed whatever thing that is that causes us to be depressed and lash out. 
So at that moment, that if I walk past you and say, how you doing, brother? What's, what's good today? Mm-hmm. That emotion that really caused me to be depressed a lot of times is suppressed at that moment. But just mm-hmm. imagine if we walked around in our traumas all day long, what it would look like. Across Man, bro, that's why relationships are the way that they are, bro. Absolutely. Because if somebody, you dating each other's traumas, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, and um, I heard Shia LaBeouf say it too, the, the actor from uh, mm-hmm. like uh, Transformers and stuff yeah. like that. You know, first you get the money, then you get the perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I honestly think that, I guess the best comparison that the way that it makes sense to me, it's like a hungry child is not going to do well in school. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's that thought process. So you have to resolve things one thing at a time, man, one thing at a time. And we have a lot of people that are in poverty and they're focused. Like what we're having this conversation about, it's hard for somebody to see the value in this conversation. If they haven't solved the first riddle, which is their hunger or, Mm -hmm you know, their environment being traumatic and stuff like that. You know, um, it's a, it's, it's a difficult one, man. But I would tell if, if there are any children listening uh, to this, you got to trust and believe, man, that your life is where you are right now is only a fraction of your life. And I know it feels like forever. I know it feels like this is all life is, but if you keep living and keep doing the work and you make it out of that traumatic environment, you will, if you do the work, create the life that you want to live. Which brings me to this point with this question here is what we perceive reality or is it a construct of the mind? And when we talk about that word construct, construct is a mental construct. Mental constructs are simply things that uh, are a set of ideas and beliefs that we hold. Is what we perceive reality or is it a construct of the mind? A lot of times what we see in our reality in the world around us, I believe it is our reality at that particular time. But I think we hold on to these mental constructs um, after the fact and we say this is the way life is going to be. Life can't get no better than this. This moment, this second, this day, this hour that I'm in, is this the greatest my life ever going to be? And a lot of times we hold on to belief, yes, based on what we've seen in our reality. But people need to understand you are in control of your reality. You are in charge of your rea- in your reality to a certain degree. Because I know we talked about control once before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Right. We talked about control before, but I think you have a role to play mm-hmm. in your reality. And I think a lot of times when we are in our reality and we play in these roles, we become victim to what we see. We just say, This is it. This is where I gotta live. My reality was when I was coming up, it was abuse, it was trauma, it was drug infested, it was violence, right? That was my reality. But I had to have a mental construct different than what my reality was, which was, I believe this is not all there is to live. I believe I'm gonna have my name on major platforms. I'm gonna live in a nice big home. These are the things I had to start believing and get into my subconscious mind and actually allowing those things to manifest and play out. Reality is reality, yeah. But reality is, I think it's a physical thing. I think in regards to your thought processes, (laughs) I think you can change what your reality is mentally. You may not be able to change it physically at that moment in your surroundings, but mentally you got to go in and do some work. And I think we're responsible for that piece of it. And many people just don't tap in enough to do it. No, that's key, bro. I think, um, especially when you're young, man, you start to create this, uh, this armor like what you're talking about, to get through your situation. 
one of the things I want to make sure, like, you know, we all create armors, especially as children, when we don't have a control over our environment. When you come out of that environment and you're in a healthy place, nobody's trying to harm you or do anything to you, you also have to do the work to deprogram your mind, too, to not use that armor anymore. Because that's one of the things that impacted me in my relationship is, you know, projecting issues, you know, and beliefs that I no longer needed. I didn't need them anymore. You know, so the same thing when I was growing up in Acres Homes, like, so for example, like, you know, if somebody did something to you, you knew that you would have to fight this one person, the first one that stepped up. You had to fight that one person physically. I'm saying really physically fight this one person, because if you didn't fight that one person, everybody in the neighborhood would pick on you. You know what I mean? But when you get to a place as you, you know, grow and move and do well, fighting is dumb as hell. It's stupid. Legitimately, it's stupid. And I and it, this is coming from somebody who fight. You know, like it's been a few years since I've, you know, fought. I fought for my own different if you look at the other clip that I put up, um, everybody fights for different reasons. But physical violence to me is a very primitive behavior. Um, but it also if you have it in its proper perspective, it allows you to understand things differently. But um <laughs> It's a. It's important that we realize that we're only in the position that we're in for but a moment. When you get out of that position that you're in, as you move on, and you do better, it's okay to take off your armor and be vulnerable with people. Because if, and hopefully, as you go into adulthood, you are surrounding yourself with healthy individuals who do not want to harm you. You know what I mean? So, it, it, I mean, this thing, man, it's it's a very complicated thing, um, but I do. On another note, like what you were saying, Corey, about the difference between a physical environment and your mental environment and how you construct that in your mind. Um, I do think a, a lot of people are going around projecting their issues on other people. And the my hope is that you're able to catch those things because, you know, I still do it to this day. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I think that's key. We do got to learn to catch those things again. Y'all, our reality is not everybody else's reality. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we project what our realities are onto other people. And then we get offended when they don't understand us or they, we get offended when they don't identify as we do or all these different things. Like everybody in the round the world has their own experiences. They have their own mental constructs. They have their own realities. And I think at the end of the day, as far as human nature is concerned, I think we just have to do our best every day to do our best. You know what yeah. I mean? There was no answer to why people behave the way that they behave. There are some things that, you know, play a role in that. But to say this is the reason human nature is the way that it is. This is the way people this is the reason why people operate the way they do. We don't have an answer for that. All we can tell you is psychological, it's physical and it's biological. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, it's psych psychology, it's philosophy and it's biological. There's multiple multiple components of why we do the things that we do and why we behave the way we behave and stop trying to figure it out. Don't try to figure out why. Corey does what he do. You just try to figure out why you do what you do, right? You work on you. You share the information that you found with you working on yourself and say, these are some of the things I came, these are some of the conclusions I came to. You know what I mean? I had to really sit down myself, ask myself questions. I do it all the time. When I'm praying in the shower, Corey, why did you respond that way? Why do you do things the way you do? Why do you think this way? And I have to really get real with myself and be honest, even if I hate the answer that I just gave myself. I still have to be honest and say, you know what? I've done that because of this. You know what I mean? 
Um, hey, my dad, boy, always, I got a question, bro. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, and this is uh, just a little bit of pushback, and it's only out of curiosity. So I'm not saying I don't agree. I'm saying I don't, I don't really understand. So you know how people say, man, don't worry about me. Worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Always. So if you do the self-work, right, can we also not have a conversation and under and un, trying to understand the other person as well. And is that not the definition of grace? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, the, and the reason I said this, the reason I said made the statement I made is this. Oftentimes when we're looking at somebody else, we haven't even figured out who the hell we are yet. Yeah. And so how can you therefore question me about what I'm doing and you haven't even done the work on yourself to figure out why you do what you do? That's why I said, don't worry about me, worry about you. Now, there is going to come a point in time when you have figured it out. You have arrived to this pinnacle, right? This place in your life. Then you can help help me out. But if you're still sorting through and battling your own things, I don't want to allow anything that I got going on to affect you or bother you in any type of way because you may not be able to deal with what you're asking of me, right? If you ask me, why do you do this? Why do you do that? How do you know what I'm doing may not be a trigger if I tell you what I'm doing or why I'm doing what I'm doing for you? You know what I'm saying? So until you got yourself rooted and figured out what it is you're doing and why you do it, don't ask me no questions. I can t- I can guarantee you ain't figured out yourself yet. But I could be wrong. I think the conversations do need to happen. I think mm-hmm. we do need to hold people accountable and ask them, man, why'd you do that? If, and and, I, and this, this can sound like this. So what you're saying is nobody can say anything to anybody because nobody's figured out their life yet. Right? That's so everybody- that's- that's yeah. That's okay. where I was going with okay, that. Got you, got you. you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like uh, I feel like everybody, you know, I, I feel like this is a process. It's a lifelong process. You know what I mean? Like I've had conversations with grandparents, bro, great grandparents at one point. Um, you know, that still didn't have it figured out. You know what I mean? So I, I think that I don't think what you're saying is completely uh, off. I'm just I would like to be able to create an environment or a space that we can have conversations with each, with each other. So like, for example, like, let's say I don't have it figured out. Right. right. And, um, you know, I'm curious about why you did something that you did. I don't have it figured out, but I'm still curious about, Hey man, why did you do that? Because, and I, I approach it that way because <clears throat> I think that in that conversation, there's some growth that can be had on my part. Even if I don't have it figured out, let's say even if you don't have it figured out, the benefit of a think tank and us maybe maybe collectively we can figure out both our issues because I offer a different perspective that you might not. Like I mean, that, for example, that's exactly what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like that's exactly what's happening. Uh, you know, on this on this podcast, you know, like we're respectfully though. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that I you know you know, would like people to take away from this. And I still make a mistake. If some of you guys tune into the Lil Peep show, I made a mistake in talking to one of the sisters on the platform, uh, Kay. Um, the mistake that I made, I just kind of like very candidly, you know, there was conversation was about, you know, hair, you know, black women's hair. And I didn't consider her position. I talked from my perspective. So my perspective on hair was, you know, um, it's just hair. No big deal. If my beard is not working or my hairline is receding, I'm just going bald. It's no big deal. Like, I don't understand why women do uh, this thing with weave and all this kind of stuff. And it was very candid. It wasn't, it didn't have any delicacy to it at all. I'm talking about zero. And I wasn't doing it maliciously, but I was talking very freely about it. You know what I mean? Like without any. So the the response that I got from her was, was very like, 
it was very like uh it was aggressive and it wasn't it wasn't soft at all <laughs> you know what i'm saying so and she mentioned she was like ken you're projecting you know things on you know on to me maybe you should bring that up in your uh therapy session and i was like oh okay all right. you know and it was kind of it was it was it was disrespectful the way she went about it but obviously i'm going to be calm in that situation and i sat on that and i was like man you know what i got to really sit with that and that's what i think people have to do you don't realize and what i didn't realize i was offending her I could have walked away from that situation like, man, she's disrespectful as hell, you know, which she was disrespectful, right? Let's, let's call it what it is. It was disrespectful. But did I trigger that? Did I cause that? Did I do something to offend her? And I think a lot of people don't look at self first. They just get offended. Oh, well, that was disrespectful. And, you know, we're not seeing that we're offending each other. So, look, I went to therapy about it. And some people are like, oh, man, she, you know, she told you that was disrespectful. Most people wouldn't even went to therapy and chopped it up about that. You know, like I, I talk, I talked to my therapist about it and I was just like, you know, what am I not, what am I missing? Cause my therapist is a black woman. And she said, Ken, the, the thing you're missing is black women are very sensitive about their hair. They're very sensitive about their hair. There's an emotional connection to their hair that you don't have cause you're a man and you don't have that same emotional connection. And it's not like a chastising. It's just a learning moment. And I thought about that for a minute. All the I grew up around alpha men, uh, you know, my entire life for the most part. I, you know, obviously my mother and my grandmother and stuff. But for the most part, I spent a lot of time with, you know, alpha men. We just candidly talk. So when you interact with a woman, you don't have that perspective that this is a delicate issue and I need to approach it with caution. I just had the conversation real candid like I was talking to men. And if I haven't learned anything at this stage of my life, you cannot talk to a woman the same way you talk to a man. You know what I'm saying? So like that, that's kind of an, an example of, you know, and so then I went back on and I said, hey, you know, how can we have this conversation? But first I apologize. It doesn't change the fact that she was disrespectful, but it's on me to apologize and bring that and, and say that, you know what, I approached this wrong because, you know, I don't, you know, my position on hair and weave and all that kind of stuff is different. You know what I mean? So I'm a business owner and I'm not a woman. I don't have the emotional, um, excuse me, emotional connection to my hair like that. I don't. And then also I'm a business owner. So there's nothing, you know, there's no, no pressure on me to conform to anything. I do what I want to do. I'm the business owner. So there's a perspective to this hair piece that I'm completely a fish out of water on, but I'm open to the possibility that I'm wrong. And that's the part I think a lot of people miss. How they don't, they get pissed off first, but they don't relax and say, man, could I really genuinely be wrong? How many people want to be wrong though? That's the thing. I think people who speak, they speak from a place of, they feel like they're speaking from a place of facts. You know, it, it's absolute and nobody wants to admit that they're wrong. Listening to the situation and you said, you know, men cannot talk to you know, women the same way they talk to men. So do we taint human nature in that regard? Is human nature biased? Do we have biases in this? You know, if we're talking about equality across the board and women equality and feminists and all this stuff, and they want to be treated as such, if they put themselves in a position to respond to you as a man and react to you as, and, and as, a, as a man will react to you, do you have the right to respond and give them back the same thing that you would do to a man? I'm just asking because now we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about behaviors, right? 
that was she acted in a way that was inappropriate according to you and how her her uh, response was. And to you, you're like that was very disrespectful. But at the same token, you said you can't talk to women the same way you talk to men. And my question is, why not? Well, okay, so is it because they're more sensitive? Is <laughs> it because they're more emotional? Because then oh, I'm not I'm not gonna ride this train, bro. <laughs> no, nah, but look, this is what I'm saying, right? So when I had that interaction, you know. But I pray, and mm-hmm. I, I've just now started to pray a lot, um, or more. I'm, I won't say a lot more than I used to. And I had to ask myself anytime I cam up or anytime I, you know, you know, what am I doing this for? So there's a piece of me that I have to sacrifice in order to have a certain conversation. There's a certain amount of disrespect I I acknowledge that I'll have to deal with because the the goal and what it is that I'm trying to do is just simply create a bridge so that we can have the conversation with each other. So if I'm just completely reactive to the way that you respond, I will never get to what I'm truly in that for. And that's to build a relationship and to model to men that may have not been privy to that type of interaction. Cause it, it was a lot of men that was just like, Oh man, you're going to let her, you should have, but nah, bro. Like I'm, I'm cool on that because that, because I know going in, that's not what I'm doing this for. I'm not doing this to be combative. I'm not doing this to be right or wrong or facts and all that kind of stuff. That's not my goal. My goal is to build relationships with each other and understand different perspectives. Now, the the question that you asked, Corey, you know, women want equality, but then they don't want to be talked to a certain way or X, Y, and Z. And I honestly would say, in my opinion, and it, it can be a legitimate bias. So when I say you can't talk to a woman like you talk to a man, what I'm the overarching thing that I'm trying to get across is you have to consider your audience at all times, whether it's a woman or a man. So there are things that you have to consider when having a conversation with anybody, woman or man. And that was, you know, that hair conversation was was an example of me not making the adjustment in the conversation and understanding like, you know, this is something you're, and it's not just a woman or a man. It's, this is something you're sensitive about and you have an emotional connection to. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect. I don't even want you to feel like I'm trying to offend or be rude to you. And that's woman or man. You know what I mean? Now I may have some questions, but my main point, and when I came back, you know, to talk with them about it, uh, Courtney as well, my goal is not to offend. It's just to understand. And I went about asking a question or even discussing a topic without the delicacy that it deserves. You know what I mean? Like, and even with you, Corey, like, you know, if you're sensitive about something or it's a hot button issue, because she has some very, they have very valid points. Like, no, nothing on a man is as discussed as black women's hair. Man, you know what? I never really even, I didn't even think about that. I disagree. They talk about the male penis in a way that is very, (laughs) it has something outside. And I got to say it, it's outside of a man's control. He got a little this and a little that. That's biology. A man can't control his penile girth, growth or girth. Uh, now, I mean, he can probably do some, you know, whatever post work, but you know, what I'm saying? but but I do believe because when you look on social media, just to make a point, there right. is something on a man's body that is talked about more frequently than or or about the same as females' hair, and that's the man's genital area. There's a lot of women who make fun of men for having smaller uh, male parts. Uh, not being able to go as long, all these different things. It's highly talked about and it's highly disrespectful because men can't control that. You know what I'm saying? 
women can't control how much hair grow on their head. Now they can control how much they put in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But they can't control how much grow, it, it, you know, it grows and things like that. There's things they can do to enhance that. Uh, so I think there is a part of a man that most women refer to as that. So we want to talk about parallels. I will say there it is right there. But, but I think I, uh, wrong. I think that there's a uh, I mean we we're completely off topic at this point, but we're just yes, we are. Right. <laughs> but I think that you know when we start to talk about like so for example, they make the conversation, you know, uh or the comment, um nothing is more talked about than black women's hair, right? That's her reality. You know, I'm not here to valid I can I can I can understand it, right? So I can't say, oh well that's right or that's wrong because men do X, Y, and Z, right? Because again, when I sit down and I cam up, my goal is to create a bridge so that we can have a conversation and get a better understanding of each other with differing opinions. But I know that having a circular conversation is not going to benefit this discussion. So like for example, if I if she says, you know, uh nothing's more talked about than you know, or, you know, whatever, than black women's hair. That, you know, that's her perspective and that's okay. It doesn't make my point any less valid if that's her perspective. But I do know that it's detrimental to the conversation to then start talking about, well, men, X, Y, and Z. Because then we get into this back and forth circular thing gotcha, gotcha. and that's not what I'm in it for because the I'm in it for strictly the actual conversation to build a bridge and I want to hear and which shoot, I, you know, and I told him, I said, this is a very beneficial conversation. I need that growth. I don't need the circular. I don't want the back and forth. I don't want that. That's not because that's not productive. What I need to is understand your perspective, because at some point as this business grows that I run, I will deal with women of different cultures, different beliefs and stuff like that. And I will be able to pull knowledge from that conversation to make sure that, or in any other, you know, capacity that I don't go about that conversation that way. And that's going to give me an edge as it relates to like what Dale Carnegie talks about in how to win friends and influence people. The more I understand your perspective and I, I'm not trying to, you know, go back and forth with you, the better I can understand. And then I can move accordingly, which will create a, a healthy environment for you to feel comfortable. And, you know, like I mean, it can go a lot of different ways, but that's what my goal is to put my antennas up to, get as much information as possible and understand people's different perspectives so that I can grow as a person and be more understanding because we, the less we interact with people, the more we form our own opinions and projections in our own little bubble. And I'm 100% open to the possibility that I am wrong. I honestly don't care about it. I won't say I, I'm not concerned about being right. I just and I pray, but I pray about, this is one of my prayers, bro. Like I pray to understand, please God remove my ego and my pride so that I can hear through all of that and hear what she's trying to say, or he's trying to say so that I can be what you want me to be for other people and myself and my family. I need to, I need those tools. I need my ego to be out of the way to relate to my son, to relate to my fiance and to just understand like, the people that I interact with. And that kind of hits on that crashing that we do. You know what I'm saying? That I don't want to do. And I'm, I have to consciously keep that at the forefront of my mind. Like I don't need to be right. I, I don't, I need to understand more than I need to be right. Cause then that's, what's going to allow me to give you grace. You know what I'm saying? I, I love that. 
and and that that's a great tie-in and in a way to also end this it's like doing that self-reflection right and really thinking about what can you do to better human nature and yourself because human nature can only get better as if we as individuals get better right and we begin to reflect and we begin to grow you said something that was profound i don't I'm not concerned about being right, right? I want to grow. And I think if we can adopt that mindset and say, it's not always about being right because right, there has to be some type of ego involved. Now we do know there are some, there's some absolutes, but then you gotta be like, you know what? I can't be afraid to be wrong. Like there is a huge possibility that I am wrong. Yeah. And going inward and say, why do I care to be right all the time? So often, so much, right? Like. Does that validate you when you wasn't validated before in your life? Like what? So it's it's asking those questions. Why do I care to be right? And why am I so afraid to be wrong? Hmm. Does it take? Do you feel like being wrong takes away from who you are? It takes away, it devalues you as a person. It doesn't. This entire thing that we're doing and this in the life that we're in, it's about growth, wisdom, and bettering yourself. That's what it's about. That comes with making mistakes. That comes with being wrong. That comes from crashing into brick walls. And then going in and say, what can I do differently so that way I don't crash again? You know, hey, what I mean? real, real quick, Corey, I'm gonna let you and I'm gonna let you, you know, close it out, bro. I just want to because it's valuable what you're saying, and I want to make sure the listeners understand this. I do not, because some people are like, man, you don't want to be right, you know. It's okay to be right, but there's more value in me being wrong. I like I want you guys to really embrace that. There's more value in being wrong. And the reason there's more value in being wrong is because being right is something you already you already knew that. But being wrong, you're growing. You you you're thinking of a different perspective in your, in your life. It's more value added in being wrong. That's all. That's that's the only thing I wanted to say. Like you have to change your relationship with certain words. Being wrong is okay because now you're learning. Mm-hmm. You're learning and you're growing and you're going to be different. You're going to be changed because you were wrong. You recognize that you were wrong. You were open to the possibility that you were wrong. And now you can grow. And that's what's going to make you better, not being right. And I want to piggyback off of that. And I'm going to say this, and you may disagree with me. All of you may disagree with me. I think being right all the time overfeeds your ego. And then when you are wrong that one time, it crushes you. And it causes you to react a way that you probably shouldn't react because you're so used to being right. I love the fact that when I'm wrong, I can go in and say, you know what, what is the lesson learned in this wrong right here? What was I supposed to take away from this? Because you can only learn so much in winning. You know how to, you learn how to be a winner. Yeah. But do you know what to do when you fail at something? Do you know what to do when you're wrong at something? What lessons do you take out of that? Do you let your ego get the best of you? And you know in the back of your mind that you're wrong. But because your ego is so high, your pride is so high and big, you're going to fight something to try to prove a point that you have no point, no, no fight. You don't have a point in the fight. Right. And so it's like, if you're going to be wrong, it's OK to be wrong. It's OK to be right. Have a balance. You know what I'm saying? And just admit to it. So listen, y'all, we want to thank you all for rocking with us. This is the Thinking Man's podcast with your boy, Corey and Ken. We're here every week. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification button. So when we do post a video, you get it. Again, we're just dropping gems of knowledge, and we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Until next time, y'all be safe.
Hello, everyone. My name is Ken. I am the co-creator of the Thinking Man's podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the last episode. We really appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, hopefully we sparked the conversation between you and your loved ones, your family and friends. And we really appreciate it if you could share the content. You know, when we started this thing, the whole goal of it was to just start the conversation. We don't have the solutions, but we definitely want to spark conversations. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Have a good day.